afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. I call out to the ancestors to join us here today to hold space for us as we hopefully have an engaging and perhaps joyful expression about life beyond good and evil. I call out to those ancestors and all of our ancestral lines who explored these ideas with their lives, who came to understand the deep and true nature of what it means to live in right use of power. And I call those ancestors forward to help us to understand where the truth lies today. I call out to the energy of the earth to be with us here to be today, to be a strong foundation under our feet and to help us to ground ourselves, help us to breathe deeply and move our energy into our bodies and our bodies onto this planet so that we might know where the real reality lies, that we may walk this earth in a good way and bring beauty through that which we do. We call out to the energy of the sky above, We reach up to the highest power of the universe, and by whatever name we call this power, we call it down to bring in blessing, to bring in generosity, to bring in the protection that comes from these realms above, and we breathe deeply to draw the air and the energy of the sky in to infuse ourselves and infuse our space with inspiration and innovation and creativity. We draw the energy of the earth and sky together within our bodies, And remember that we live here in this tiny place, this tiny place in all of our vast universe, where this alchemy of heaven and earth dances that we might be here together enjoying what we call life. We call out to the energy of the heart to be with us here today. And in particular, the courage of the heart to listen to the energies in the body, to clarify them with the powers of the mind, and to draw from that life experience and our own deep inner truth the nature of our soul's true purpose. We call out to the courage of the heart within each one of us that we might live that purpose just that much more fully today. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me here today. Our topic today is Beyond Good and Evil. And um, I was struck as I was looking around for other people's ideas about good and evil, just precisely how true this quote is um, by um, Simone Veal. That, frankly, the more I read about contemporary write-ins on good and evil, the more I found both topics are pretty monotonous, barren, and boring. So let's just go with the quote that sparked the whole idea of this. Imaginary evil is romantic and varied. Real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, and boring. Imaginary good is boring. Real good is always new, marvelous, and intoxicating. So this is a quote from, again, from Simone Veil, who was a French philosopher and activist and spiritual teacher. And this um, quote struck me because it describes from a person totally outside of shamanism what my experience has been once I, my life sort of moved into shamanism. Now, I had an experience, though, prior 
to knowing really anything about shamanism that I think is important because in many ways it is the basis of this conversation today. Which And the point of the conversation, if there is a point, is to consider that there is a way of being in the world beyond this dichotomy of good and evil and that perhaps this idea of good and evil has run its course, has worn itself out, that its usefulness has been entirely... Um, derived from this paradigm, and that it is time for us to move beyond this idea of good and evil, because it is, like all things in our experience here, just an idea. Until we tap the real energies of things, everything is just an idea. So, anyway, back many, many years, almost, almost three decades in the past, I was in a very, very challenging time in my life. Didn't really know anything yet about shamanism. I was pretty depressed and a whole lot of other crazy, chaotic things. And I was reading the Tibetan book of Living and Dying. And I fell asleep reading it and woke up in the morning with this question coming out of the the dream state for me. And um, this question sort of drove me back into the pages I was reading before I went to sleep. And it went back to something I kind of skimmed over, which was the author was talking about how he'd worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked to to master a particular meditation that would allow him to achieve a very, very high state of consciousness. Um, I don't know whether we could technically call it enlightenment, but the point is it was a really big deal to master this state of meditation. And, and of course, at that point in time in my life, I hadn't done anything near that amazing. At least I wasn't aware of that yet. And so he achieves this state through this meditation at his master's feet. And then he comes out of that state absolutely awash in bliss and, and blessing and all things. Most of us would certainly agree are good things. And the first words out of his master's mouth are, good. Now, let that go too. And I went back to that, and that was the moment, it was a real turning point in my life, that I came to understand that we no more want, need to be involved in wanting of the good, than we are involved in not wanting the evil. And that was very confusing at that time in my life. But it was a good confusion. And it drove me on in my life to begin to think about other things. And so it it brings me here today to this conversation with you about imaginary good and evil. So again, imaginary evil is romantic and varied. Real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, and boring. Why? Because it is not creative. It is not connected to the creative life force. It perpetuates itself and thus seems to be big and powerful and growing. But the truth is, it's, um, it's a bit like zombies. And, by the way, I would encourage you all to go see Zombieland just for a good laugh. Anyway, back to the point. It's a bit like zombies, where it's just a repetition of that which already exists. So, evil is really pretty boring. Now... Similarly, though, we imagine good, imaginary good is pretty boring as well, but real good is always new, marvelous, and intoxicating. And in my experience of shamanic work, I would say 
I would feel pretty safe saying everyone's souls are good and nature so of the living. And so when I touch the soul of someone to bring that part of that soul back to that person, it is intoxicating. The person's life is made anew to have that reconnection with a tiny fragment of their soul. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's um, always new. It's always interesting. It's heartwarming. It's um, ecstatic in many ways. And, and that's just me going to work. Okay? And so let's talk here then about this whole idea of good and evil. So anyway, like I said, I did a bunch of research, and it was kind of boring. And pretty much it just kind of comes around to the idea that what evil, the one thing everybody seems to agree on, is that it's morally reprehensible. Um, but what I find in the usage of the word in my life, in, in the lives of people around me, is evil usually is just used in the place of saying the other that we're not really uh, using the term technically. <laughs> and I, I actually um, was talking with Betsy Bergstrom, who spoke beautifully with us in a couple other back sessions about doing depossession work and coming upon demonic energies and how her helping spirits have been teaching her to find within even that which we would label demonic and therefore usually pretty easily call evil, finding, unwinding, unwrapping that energy going back to the very, very beginning, wherever the beginning of that energy was, when it was an expression of the source of all things, and it, as we are, and that it, in that place there is a, a light force. And, to, and so here's a woman whose entire, you know, going-to-work day is filled with this kind of energy, and she's not even using the word evil. You know, imagine that. So... We were talking about how rare it is that our helping spirits um, actually use that term to define things for us when, as we're trying to diagnose and understand what's going on. And um, in the most recent time it happened for me, which is rare, I think in 20 years that term's been used maybe three times by my helping spirits, maybe three times. In this one time, I was trying to understand why, why the situation was so strange and so suddenly compelling uh, in a in a creepy way. And they said, well, because the person is being ridden, ridden by an evil energy. And my response was, I was so shocked. I said, evil? You mean technically? And it cracked Betsy up. Because our helping spirits only use that term technically. But we use it sort of grossly. We toss it around whenever we don't want to admit that we're really pointing a finger at the other. So if we think back to one of the most famous or infamous uses of the word recently in our recent history would be that naming, you know, of the axis of evil and projecting all that is bad in the world out upon the other. Now, granted, you know, Bin Laden had helped with this by carrying off a particularly atrocious act, granted. But by framing this reality, this drama, by both sides, as a battle between good and evil, it served as a smokescreen for both sides to keep people from looking at what was really going on with power, whether power was being used or misused. And on our side of the fence, right, under that smokescreen, behind that smokescreen of good and evil and the lives of noble men and women being lost, we see Bush and co. and family and oil cronies and related industries um, making gobs of money through basically personal self-interest. 
And we were encouraged to be afraid and to see things in the light of good and evil so that we would not look at a gross misuse of power. So this is what lies beyond good and evil, that smokescreen of that discussion. What lies beyond that is our ability to look at the use and misuse of power. And until we do that, until you choose in your life to do that, you have not stepped into the new paradigm. I do not care how spiritual you think you are. That until we can get beyond this argument of good and evil, we're not tracking the real energy. And so this is what I'd like to talk about today. How do we see through that smokescreen and follow the real energies and learn to truly track the power that is going on in our lives, our own and that of others. And then once we can see what's going on, how do we choose to act accordingly? So this is our topic for today. How can we learn to live beyond the dynamic of good and evil? So thank you everyone for joining me here today. And uh, please um, join me again as we come back from this break. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and we are speaking today about the idea of moving beyond this drama of good and evil. Now, granted, I know the whole battle between good and evil makes for you know great TV and movie fodder, but let's move along. So, how do we see that smokescreen of this drama of good and evil and track the real energy? Um, because one of the things we need to remember is if we're actually connected with the real energy, the principles of the real energy that's really underneath the illusions that we see around us is that everything is one. Everything is connected. There is not good guys and bad guys. There's not a pool of good energy and a pool of bad energy. It's all one. And that the, the drama or the dance of these energies, the pulsing of these energies in these different forms is really all about us. It's all about our consciousness shaping the world around us so that we can create the experiences we need to have to learn. Okay, so evil is really a human construction, right? If everything is one and that energy is essentially coming straight out of the source. It's not good or bad. It is. It is the true nature of things. So what I understand from shamanism and from exploring this idea quite a bit, actually, is that evil, as we understand it as humans, is really a human construction, whether we're talking about an evil action, which would be something that manipulates another away from their destiny. Or we're talking about it as an idea. So one of the things that was, is very interesting to me is how there are energies. So in shamanism, there are, are, are energies that have a momentum going that is um, manipulative. It manipulates people away from what would be their nature, their goodness, their soul's purpose. And that this, these energies want a nice warm place to live just like anything else. And so they tend to, to possess people. And we've talked about this on other shows. The actions then of the person are then influenced or aggravated or accentuated by this energy that is riding them. 
And this, but the thing about these energies is, you know, is the action, is the person taking the action or is that energy taking the action? The point is it doesn't really matter because the being that has the free will is you. It's the human. It's a living human person. You're the one with the free will. You're the one that is manifesting things. You're the one who is choosing to act or not act. You don't get a, you know, like a pass because those actions you took at that time you were possessed. It doesn't work that way. You came here with free will. You made the choices that lead you into whatever you lead in life. These are Your actions are still your responsibility. And so, for example, in my line of work, I am exposed often to energies that are problematic. And so it's partly my responsibility to make sure that I do whatever is necessary to maintain my energy so that it's not being influenced by the kinds of things I come into contact with in my work. It's my responsibility. I don't get a free pass just because, oh, well, it's a shaman. That's the nature of the work. It's not a free pass. So beyond the actions, though, the actions that would prohibit someone from moving towards their destiny, there is the idea of evil as a, as, a, as a concept, that evil is this source of energy outside of us that can possess us and make us do things. Now, my sense of this is that this is truly the greatest, the invention of evil as this entity outside of us is truly the greatest marketing event of all time. And I mean that sincerely. What better marketing than to convince people that we are not responsible for our bad behavior? It's perfect. And then to come along with a product that can help us in this situation. It plays right into human nature. I would love to not be accountable for my bad behavior. I would love to have someone outside of myself to blame it on. So you give me evil, I get to blame it on evil, right? And now that you've given me this, this past that I don't really have, but now I get to think I have it, now you're going to hand me the very product that I need, right, to deal with this situation that, oh, my God, I'm going to be possessed by evil. Ah, help me. Oh, here, you have exactly what I need to save me from this. Here, let me give you whatever you asked for so that I can be protected from this thing called evil, which you've just convinced me exists by marketing it to me. It's genius. It's absolute genius. The thing we need to get a grip on here, people, is it's not true. It's marketing. It's fear-based marketing at its most brilliant. So if we throw off these notions of evil and, and tune into what's really going on, because we all get all caught up in this. So much drama, so easy to move into fear. But the bottom line remains, you are a human being who has free will and a body. In that body is a truth cord. There is a cord of truth that resonates with the truth no matter the source. So let's say someone I don't like is speaking the truth. My own truth cord would resonate with that, whether I want to hear from the truth from that person or not. My truth cord will also not resonate when someone I am devoted to and believe always speaks the truth is not speaking the truth to me. Then it won't resonate. And this is the thing every single one of us must become accountable for, is our own truth cord. And like any string on a stringed instrument... 
it needs to be anchored at the top and the bottom, or at both ends, top or bottom is irrelevant. It needs to be anchored at both ends and needs to be tuned. And this is something we do, we can do daily in our own energy awareness, our own internal awareness. This is our responsibility, and if we don't do it, your ability to sense the truth in the day, which we need to do a bazillion times a day, is threatened by your unwillingness to maintain your own truth cord. It must be anchored at the highest power of the universe. I don't care what you call it, but by whatever name you call it, you anchor the top of your truth cord at the highest power of the universe above, and you anchor the other end at the center of the earth. Why the earth? Because this is where we're living. This is where we've chosen to become manifest. So we anchor that truth cord at both ends, and then we need to tune it. We need to move inside ourselves and imagine that line of truth, that cord. You can even see it as a string on a stringed instrument, moving right through the top of your head, through each of the chakras, down through your body, down your grounding cord to the center of the earth. The ends are anchored. You tune that cord. You just speak your intention. All of this is happening at the, in the arena of our life where the form of the energy will follow your thoughts. It's a beautiful simple aspect of who we are so the form follows your thoughts you think this connection you ask that line of truth to become tuned you do this every day and it will be and it will line up the intuitive instinctual um, protection information from your body with the um, intuitive energies of the heart and with the inspired intuitive energies of the mind All these energies are lined up on that truth cord, and they will be with the resonance of the truth when you hear it, regardless of the source. And it is by cultivating your relationship with your own truth cord, which is your responsibility, no one can do this work for you. No one can tell you what is right for you, no matter how enlightened. We need to be able to sense what is right for us in the moment energetically. Because what is right for you in the moment is where you're ready to grow, live, and learn. What is right for you in the long run may ultimately be correct in the long run. But you're not in the long run. You're in the moment. And in the moment, you must be able to sense the truth for yourself. And so, if you can take the time, if you're willing to make the time, which is minutes of your day, minutes, not hours, minutes of your day, to cultivate your awareness of your own inner sense of truth. It's just your truth. It's not the big universal truth. It's just your sense of what is right for you in the moment, what is true in the moment. Then you're able to discern when something feels off. You may not know why, That's all right, but you're able to sense that something feels off. A colleague of mine um, shared this, a a teacher of his, a Qigong master of his, shared with him that, you know, once you cultivate the truth cord, then as you go through your day and you come upon the energies you will come upon through the day, you just ask yourself relative to your own energy and your own truth, does this energy resonate with me? If so, engage with it. If it doesn't resonate with you, step aside. Don't engage. It's that simple. So much of the 
initial choice that got us down a long path into a situation where we really do feel like we're struggling with good and evil began with that simple choice, back with your own energy, to dismiss your own inner truth and make an intellectual or a political or some kind of um, outer choice. And so what we need to be able to do through the day is just be constantly in a running dialogue behind the scenes with our own inner truth. If something is persistent, we can learn, we can ask why. And uh, if it's what that can also offer us then is a mirror or something to look into as a gift. And so we'll talk about this as we move into um, our next section. So thank you all for joining me here today, and we'll continue after this break with our discussion of life beyond good and Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and we are discussing today life beyond the concepts of good and evil. And um, for those of you who may not know, there are earlier shows. They're all called um, The Basics of Living Well. And in those shows, there is talk about the truth cord, about grounding, about boundaries, and all of these ideas that I'm talking about a little bit today in the context of good and evil, but not going into. And in many of those download shows, which are free downloads from the Voice America site or iTunes, um, are um, guided visualizations that you can do to cultivate those energies. So where we got to in our last section was just talking about how your actions and your choices do matter, right? And that they don't matter from a sense of um, tallying up um, good choices versus evil choices, but more from a sense is your actions and your choices cultivate your own energy, and that energy attracts energies to you that resonate with that energy, and it repels energies that don't resonate with that energy. And it's just the nature of the energy rules here. Um, I didn't make them up. I'm just trying to learn to live with them just like you are. Okay. So, so this, whole, this, whole, this whole idea then of good and evil really exists sort of outside of what's really going on for us energetically. Nonetheless, your choices do matter. It is important what you cultivate with your life. And I'm going to share with you the... the strongest reason that I found for this as I was researching the encyclopedia. Um, so in shamanism, there is a, 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 relation, a strong relationship between shamanism and sorcery. And for many people, they think they're both the same thing, and they're not. The distinction that I would like to make is that shamanic work is doing work where we are not manipulating other energies away from their destiny or their true nature. And in sorcery, we are potentially willing to manipulate energies away from their um, essence and their their true nature and their destiny. Um, Many people engage on a path of sorcery that is truly simply a path of trying to discover the maximum they can create with their own power. It's not necessarily going to harm anyone. Sorcery is not necessarily evil, is my point. However, when we get involved in being willing to misuse power or to manipulate power, then things get a little dicey sometimes. So, in certain forms of shamanism, these are basically up in Arctic regions, there is um, 
a helping spirit that can be created, that is created with the um, with a spirit energy and various physical objects, and these are um, through powerful acts of ritual. These physical forms and the spiritual energies are bound together into um, a helper that will help the shaman. And, and um, for shamans, these are um, helping spirits. They, they function like helping spirits. And they can be used in rituals um, for healing or divination. And they can be sent into the body of a patient to aid in drawing out the illness. So instead of the shaman's energy going in, this little helper person energy goes in and draws the energy out, or they can be sent into the future to gather information. So in divination, they can be sent in the future, they gather information, they come and they report back to the shaman. Um, Also, they can be used as a way to heal the effects, the negative effects of sorcery that has been done to do harm. Um, And what may happen is the sorcerer's little helper may go to battle with the sorcerer's little helper. And if the shaman's little helper wins, then it's able to throw out the sorcerers. And then that energy retreats back to um, whoever created it, whether it's the shaman or the sorcerer. Okay, so um, this energy is called a tuplek. And um, what's interesting about a sorcerer's tuplek is it's made from the same kinds of things, bones or blood or skin or hair or feathers or whatever. Taken, um, There's often something taken from the person... Um, that they want to harm. Um, but what's most important that empowers this little helper thing to do harm is that the sorcerer steals the soul of a person who made very, very bad choices in life and was a hurtful, mean-spirited um, person. And so they cultivated in their life a whole energy of nastiness. So they used their free will and their choices to just be mean, be kind of like Scrooge, you know, prior to the visitation of the, all the spirits, right? That they just, they had free will like anybody else and they just choose, chose to be hateful and mean-spirited. Well, sorcerers would watch for those people who chose to live their life that way. So again, it's, it's a person's free will generating actions of manipulation and power over and nastiness. When that person dies, that person's soul is leaving the body, the sorcerer would snatch it and keep them, keep a reserve of these soul energies of people who had just been nasty in their life. And then they are able to infuse these little helpers that they're making with this nasty soul force energy. Now, soul at its core, as we learned from Betsy when we talked about depossession in prior episodes, is not nasty. But the point is the person has cultivated a life of nastiness, a life of misuse of power. And then that energy then is all wrapped around that person's soul energy. So that person's soul energy is trapped in their own choices and then trapped by the skillful sorcerer and then potentially put into the body of this little helper thing, this little tuplek, which um, can then go and do harm. My personal belief is that this is how, this, this type of thing is how people who are wanting to do harm, sorcerers, 
for lack of a better word at this time, were able to set energies, what I would, what I would call evil energies in motion in the world. But they all depend on, they're powered by, in other words, a person's own choices to behave badly, to disrespect others, to disrespect community responsibilities, to disrespect family responsibilities, to disrespect others. And that these energies are a person's energies and a person's bad choices are at the heart of any energy that now functions independently in the world. Because if there's no soul force energy, things fall apart. If no one's directing them, if there isn't a human being directing them, things are going to fall apart. So the thing to understand is some of the most powerful act, direct conscious acts of sorcery in human history involve powerful manipulation, including this kind of soul theft. So this is one of the main reasons to live well, so that you're you're adding to that cultivation of the right use of will, the right use of a life, the, the use of power instead of the abuse of power in your life. And all of your choices matter, even the ones you made when you were 18 and dumb as a stick. Right? I mean, all your choices matter, and it's important in life that we reconcile those things we have set sideways in life and that we go forward in the best way possible because our energy then is contributing then to this paradigm of the right use of power instead of being deployed then in those energies in the world that would like to see things stay involved in this dynamic of this misuse of power, gross misuse of power, gross misuse of power all around the United States right now. And so here we are, you know, here you are, you're an American. What are you going to do about that? Well, the first thing to do is to align your own truth cord and begin to pay attention in your own life to the use and the misuse of power. You will be amazed at how many quote-unquote identified good people, including spiritual teachers, abuse and misuse power, and how many simple, humble, ordinary people are great practitioners of the right use of power. And that there are even some people that might be labeled evil by others because they want to project their stuff out on somebody else. And those people are great practitioners of the right use of power. It's not so easy. It's a complicated time that we live in right now. The only way to find your way through a day is to cultivate your own sense of the truth and to notice when you interpret that truth incorrectly. I've certainly dated people I thought were a good idea and were not. And so we have to learn why, what are we biased towards? How do we misinterpret our truth cord? How do we misinterpret the right use and the misuse of power in our life and come to a place in our life as adults to be able to interpret these energies accurately? Because that's all it is. That's all you can ever hope for is just to begin to interpret these energies accurately and to understand as an adult it's your responsibility. Now, if you're an adult with children or in the care of elderly or you have people that are responsible, you're responsible for, then it's even more important that you're able to understand use and misuse of power. And so for me, beyond my truth cord, 
the next thing I would turn to to understand some of the more complex situations in life is journeying to my helping spirits, to ask them to help me understand situations, to understand the dynamics, to understand the true nature of a problem, to understand how to go forward in a right use of power, or if there is a way to go forward with a right use of power. That this, for me, is the great beauty of our shamanic skills, is understanding first what is our responsibility as a grown-up here in the world, and then secondly, how do we use our relationship with spirit to enhance that responsibility and to discharge that responsibility in the best way possible and to be a beacon out there for the right use of will and the right use of power. And this is, I believe, what life is about beyond the dynamic and the argument or the smokescreen of good and evil. So thank you for joining me here today. We're going into a break, and I hope you'll come back after this break and um, join me as we wrap up talking about life beyond the argument of good and evil. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we're talking about life beyond this idea of good and evil. And I want to bring us back to the quote that sort of started this all. Um, Imaginary evil is romantic and varied. Real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, and boring. Imaginary good is boring. Real good is always new, marvelous, and intoxicating. And I bring this to us here today because this is what I've found through my life experience, and in particular my experience with shamanism. And one place that, since I did bring up sorcery, let me share this one piece. I wasn't really planning on it, but let me share it anyway. As I have worked with students, students have asked to become apprentices. And often with these apprentices, the challenge that I have is that I do not see in them the heart of a shaman. That the spirit world, when it initiates shamans, is looking for a clear heart, a strong, courageous, clear heart. And why is this important? This is critically important not because of some issue of goodness or evilness at all. It's important because in the actions required of a human life, and especially the actions required of a shaman living a human life, which, of course, they are. It takes great courage of heart to do the right thing, to do what is necessary, to engage in the healing that is necessary. There are always shortcuts, but some of them require a misuse of power. And so what I'm looking for in people is that courage of heart come back to their own healing again and again and again, accepting whatever life throws at them as a mirror for what they need to work on. And when I see the surrender to that reality in life, that my life is showing me mirrors of myself, there is no other, there is no evil out there, it's all me, and that these things are being shown to me so that I can evolve myself. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for when I'm choosing whether or not to accept someone as apprentice, is that willingness to surrender humbly to that simple fact of our human existence. Shaman or not a shaman, your life is trying to train you to be magnificent. So I did find one fun thing as I was researching this whole idea of good and evil, and this is from the Story People, which is storypeople.com, for those of you who don't know about that yet. And it's a sweet little piece um, called Inventing Evil. Um, he, he said, who invented evil? 
And I said I wasn't sure anybody invented it. It just happened when somebody got tired of all the effort it took to live right. They probably didn't have anyone teach them, he said. And I thought to myself, we might be doing this right after all. So the child in this says they probably didn't have anyone to teach them to do evil when they get too tired of the effort to live right. You know, that's that's really what it boils down to. And if you're too tired of the effort it takes to live right, go home, go to bed, take a nap, pet your cat, relax, read a good book, do your qigong, meditate, write in your journal, talk to yourself. Do something to restore your inner nature. Do something to reconnect with your innate goodness your innate, true nature within yourself. If you're too tired to do what is right, then don't do anything. Rest. Cultivate a person who is willing to do what it takes to use your power in a right use of will and power. And if you can't do it that way, don't do anything. We allow huge organizations to steamroll forward in great acts of abuse of power because we are simply too tired to do the right thing. And so it's time for us to take a nap, to rest up, to make choices about how we cultivate our life so that we have the energy to do the right thing and to engage in the right use of power. And the beginning of that is to attend to yourself. Attend to your own heart. And through that heart, attend to your body and its connection to the earth. That's your grounding meditations. And from your grounding to attend to your truth cord. And that's your truth cord visualization and the cultivation of that cord of truth that runs through you to help you know what is true for you in the moment. To know what to step towards and what to step away from. And then to know, what do you do when those energies you'd like to step away from don't want to go away? What if they follow you? What if they dog you? What if you've already let them into your life? Okay. Ask for help. Go to a trained professional who can help you to clear these energies and to understand what is your own inner dynamic that allows these energies to get in. Invasive energies are lazy and opportunistic. They prey on those who will allow them in. So if you cultivate your energy, your groundedness, your boundaries, your self-awareness, your truth cord awareness, and you work with your helping spirits, you can cultivate an energy that is too hard to get through. And as you look at your own mirrors that life offers you and resolve those energies within yourself and stop projecting out onto others, then you take away the opportunity for energies to come in. And so it is through your own choices about your own energy and your own awareness about your own energy body that you choose to cultivate a life beyond this dynamic of good and evil. And you begin to track, you can see through that smoke screen, and track the powers and become a person who is involved in the right use of power and can begin to acknowledge so many of the powers in the world around us, not as power, 
but simply as the abuse of power and start to call things what they truly are. And for your assistance in that, I would be truly grateful. So thank you for joining me on this show today. I thank the ancestors for holding us well and for every ancestor who was willing to die for what was right, who was willing to put their life on the line to do the right use of their power and who had the energy and the courage of heart to do what needed to be done. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above for holding us so well in this beautiful life that we share. And I give thanks to the energy of the heart that unites us all, for it is through the heart that we know through our experience that we are all connected and we are all one. So thank you for joining me here today in this conversation. Our show next week will be on the topic of sin and destiny. In shamanism, there is really only one sin, and that is to stand in the way of someone's destiny, including your own. And so as an extension in some ways of today's conversation, we're going to talk about destiny, destiny and sin, next week. Um, So for those of you who don't know, if you're new to listening to the show, we are happy to send out once a week a reminder about the show and the topic and who the guests are. Um, to be put on that email reminder list, just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, L-A-S-K, oh, sorry, L-A-S-T-M-A-S-K dot, uh, center.org. And um, the downloads for the show are available on the Voice America site and iTunes. Um, the Encyclopedia of Shamanism is available through my site, lastmaskcenter.org, as is the calendar and other information about my events. And even through the Voice America page, you now can click on the banner and schedule a session. So these services are available to you, and I hope you will um, enjoy them and continue to share this show with your friends. Thank you all. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.